Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. We wanted to remind you to check out the Ringer's YouTube page. We're publishing new original videos all the time, including a new This Is Us parody called This Is Bus, featuring some of your favorite Ringer employees like Bill Simmons, Jason Concepcion, and Chris Ryan. And on Friday, we published a video breaking down the staff's favorite moments of 2018 in sports and pop culture, ranging from A Star Is Born to the Philadelphia Flyers mascot Gritty. These videos and more can be found at youtube.com slash the ringer. Yes, we are black again. Welcome back to another episode of On Shuffle. I'm your host, Micah Peters, a staff writer at The Ringer. And I'm currently just really, you know, I need just 2018 to just go ahead and get on out of here because I saw a headline about Jack Dorsey, Twitter CEO, sending beard hair to Zalia Banks so she can craft an amulet to protect him from ISIS. But we're not going to be talking about that today. Today, we're going to be talking to Alphonse Pierre, staff writer at Pitchfork, about some underrated rap releases and also whatever it was that was going on with Drake and Kanye over the weekend. Let's start with that. Let's get into it. Man, I still got scores to settle, man. I crept down a block, made a right, yeah. Cut the lights, yeah. Pay the price, yeah. Niggas think it's sweet, nah. It's on sight, yeah. Nothing nice, yeah. Vegas in my eyes, I'm, I'm shocked, honestly, that this is still going on. Over the weekend, Kanye West kicked up another windy tweet storm demanding an apology from Drake for, well, all of 2018. I'm tired. You're tired. We're all tired. But Alphonse Pierre, staff writer at Pitchfork, former guest on this very podcast, put together a rather comprehensive rundown of the year in Drake. You should go read that. And so he's uniquely equipped to help me figure out just what the hell is going on between good and OVO now. Alphonse, how you doing today, man? What's good? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, of course. So let's try to get through as quickly and as painlessly as humanly <laughs> possible. Over the weekend, Kanye started tweeting again. And honestly, I mean, like, did you log on after it had already started or were you there for the entire thing? Because I've honestly found it impossible to keep up with if you weren't just watching. I remember I, I logged on like at least 10 minutes after it already started and I was getting ready to like publish my like year in Drake. And so as I'm like literally about to publish it, I see Kanye's going on this rant about Drake and, and like revealing all these things that Drake, Drake's been threatening me, that Drake hasn't called me and all this stuff. And so just as I logged on, I see Kanye doing that. And at first, I wasn't, like, bad for it. Kanye just seemed, like, off his shits, basically. Yeah. But then he, like, revealed that Drake had, like, bought, like, tickets at a Pusha T concert and stuff like that. The whole and front that, two that, rows, which is, like, some extremely Machiavellian shit. I, honestly, yeah. that's great. That, that's when I was kind of into it. I was like, if Drake is really doing all this petty shit, like, like this is the Drake I'm about. And so that's when I was kind of into the beef for a little while until it kind of got out of hand. Do you think that Kanye just heard sicko mode? Because he was certainly tweeting like it. Like this this kind of had like the air of, I guess, maybe, what was it, two years ago that he just decided to go after Wiz Khalifa for an entire afternoon um, about his skinny pants and like I made it cool for us to wear them and this, that, and the other thing. This one he was talking about 
Drake's verse on Sicko Mode, where he was just like, I crept around the block, made a right. Like they're driving around in the neighborhood. And he's just like, I can't believe you're threatening my family, bro. Like, but it's honestly, the song has been out since August. It really did seem like he had like just heard it. Like even like some of the other tweets seemed like he was just like grappling with the song for the first time. He was just like, it's kind of fire. And then he's just like, Trav, don't ever let him hop on the song and diss me again. So it seemed like he was, it was the first time he was grappling with it, which was weird. Like it had the feeling of 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 live tweeting. Like I mean, like he literally pressed play on the song and was just kind of like, "Damn, sicko mode's kind of tight." And then he was just like, "Oh wait, hold on, are you threatening my family?" Like, I, yo, bro, stop, bro, stop. <laughs> yeah, he was really just reacting in real time, which is crazy to think for somebody at Kanye's level to to even like think of doing that, reacting in real time without even thinking about it. But I guess. That's always been Kanye. Yeah, but uh, you did your your piece catalogs, drugs, various wins and losses from this year. And although, I mean, he had a gigantic hole punched through his very carefully crafted narrative, as you put it, he still kind of comes out of this year on top, especially after this, right? Yeah, because when you think about it, like with rap beef, like you, I, I was thinking about like the beef with him and Meek Mill, like three years ago, the ghost riding like allegation, which is probably true, mm-hmm. uh, seemed like it was going to hurt Drake's reputation forever, and it really hasn't. And so, when you think about like the beef with Pusha and like the beef with Kanye, and if it's really going to like hurt Drake's legacy at all, like it may like be an asterisk next to it or somewhat. But if you look at Drake's year, he was pretty unstoppable. Yeah, that's very true. I have a, you know what? I have a slightly tougher question for you. Is this yes. Kanye saga, this latest one, is it sadder than it is funny? Man, I I think it started out funny, but then eventually as he kept going, it got kind of sad. And especially when it started going into the territory with like Ariana Grande and all that stuff, then it kind of got sad and desperate and embarrassing. And just Kanye looking for attention, maybe getting ready for an album rollout again. But it was sad by the end. To your to your point with uh, the Ariana Grande thing, and it's just like I know the men are shouting online, but if you, but me and like I put out new music, and and then there was also, I mean, like when Kanye carries on for fourteen hours, it's inevitable that people on Twitter are going to say a bunch of things. They, I mean, like they become like psychotherapists for one. How would you yep. explain this without touching the mental as- health aspect of it? I think without touching is just a cry for attention. Just a, That's been Kanye's whole year, basically. There's, there's another piece on Pitchfork today about a year in trolling mm-hmm. by uh, writer Stephen Kirst. And it's basically just, it's basically talking about this and how almost just Kanye's just doing anything to stay relevant because there's almost this idea in his head, it seems like, that he's not for once. And so going at somebody like Ariana, who is at like the peak of her popularity right now. Literally the is, the, the number one most streamed artist on Spotify. <laughs> yep. At the moment. It's like, that's the cry for relevancy right there going after her. I think I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about this the other day, or whenever this was happening. I don't know. I, it feels like it happened like so long ago, but it was maybe three days and it felt like it went on for a year. Anyway. Um, we were just talking about like, he's just, he seems just very jealous of what he's given his stylistic children almost like it's, it's, it's a, it's a very weird stage of weird and sad stage of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Like Travis is basically like taking like the baton from him as like the curator and rap, the person who 
to get this person on the track and make them sound the best they've ever had. And I guess Kanye is just reacting poorly to that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that we've that we've uh, ably covered this topic, but right now we're going to take a break and then we're going to be back and Alphonse is going to do some grousing about our underrated rap releases of the year list, which is not complete. And now a quick break to talk about Sonos, particularly the Sonos Beam, the smart, compact sound bar for your TV and newest addition to the easy-to-use home sound system. It's really changed the way that I watch TV. I can't stress that enough. I mean, like, the sound is incredible. It fills the entire room. And it makes the experience of watching something like, I don't know, like Roma, which I watched recently. It's on Netflix right now. You should absolutely go do that when you have the time. It's gorgeous, it's visceral, it's loud, and it sounds great coming out of a soundbar. So all it takes is one cord to connect the beam to your TV. The Sonos app walks you through setup step-by-step and get hands-free control with built-in Alexa. That way you can start a playlist, skip tracks, and pause simply by asking out loud. Plus, when you connect your Sonos speakers over Wi-Fi, you can put speakers in different rooms and listen to two things at the same damn time. Or send sound from your TV everywhere so you never miss a second of the action, even if you're in the bathroom. Go to Sonos.com to learn more and order your Sonos Beam to start your smart home sound system. That's Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com. Let's talk about YouTube music. We've all found ourselves down a rabbit hole on YouTube. There's so much music to discover there. You can spend hours exploring new songs and artists. And now there's an app to make it so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service, combining everything you love from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. YouTube Music makes it easy to find the music you're looking for. Official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, even covers and remixes. Don't know the song's name? Search by the lyrics. It's that easy. The YouTube Music app gives you recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. You can easily find the music trending around you no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it's even better. Get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while other apps are open. Enjoy your music whenever you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then enjoy music for just $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions apply. YouTube Music, it's all here. I don't even like working with niggas, baby. Cause I'm hella selfish. Big tangs. Pieces on pieces. That boy got on the necklace. Yeah, all right, nigga talking out his neck till I leave his ass neck. Necklace. It get tricky. Fuck it. Nigga finna get Alpha. So you contributed to both the Pitchfork and Passion Weiss uh, best songs of the year list this year. And you wrote about Blueface, a rapper from here in California, on both of them. So let's start there. Okay, so Blueface is an L.A. rapper and... He's basically become like the most polarizing figure on the internet, and it's right. really it's kind of strange. And also, you would like expect it because Blueface's music it really sounds like traditional LA rap music, like it's kind of like funky and bouncy, and his flow is very LA. But Blueface as a character, his, his he has a lot of run on sentences. His flow is very high pitched, like people have compared it to like something like Mickey Mouse and curse a cowardly dog and his <laughs> lines are pretty much always over the top 
like if 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 you could like run down some like uh blue face lines and just read them off to somebody, people would be like, What the hell are you like even saying to me right now? Like remember when it's just like her ass is like two midgets in a sleeping bag or like <laughs> you know, he's pretty much just like the most ridiculous version of a LA rapper and a lot of people have reacted poorly to it. But he has a great mixtape this year called Famous Crip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is it is a, a fantastic mixtape uh, that got Drake into his DMs actually, um, talking about how much he loves Dead Looks and other songs. Uh, very thirsty in the DMs. Yeah, very thirsty in the DMs. But to your point about uh, Blueface being like the most divisive rapper on the internet, I think that like I, I got it. We got to specify that not in terms of just like the music only, just flatly whether or not you do or do not like this thing. The kind of offbeat rapping, and there's just people that you have people that either see it as a shortcoming or as a stylistic choice. Blue face, baby. Yeah, I, I'm every woman's fantasy. Mama always told me I was gonna break hearts. I guess it's her fault. Stupid. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. I wanna see you bust down. Bust down. Ben, that shit over on the Honestly, I think that he's best understood as like a comedian. <laughs> um, he's, but yeah, that that Dead Low song, like for instance, I, like there's just kind of everything in here. I mean, like there is comedy, there are those weirdo lines, and then there's also just like really motivational stuff. I don't want to see no judge on the blue faces on the Dead Low. Yeah, alright. How you wanna set all day and still can't fight on the Dead Lows? Infant mob, broke little baby, get off your ass, get a job on the dead lows. Tied to my face, fuck a job. If I go broke, somebody getting robbed. Uh, like that's a great line right there. Tied on my face, fuck a job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because the 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 one thing that you hear anybody say whenever anybody gets a face tat is, mm, he's never going to be able to get a desk job. Well, what if you just don't want one? It's a very, you know, like, feasible way of thinking. And Blueface is very, like, aware of how people, like, perceive him, too, which I think, like, makes people even more mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the best thing about Famous Crip? If we can get, like, to the best song, the one, so to speak, but what makes this project so enjoyable? I think it's just like the consistency of it. Like if you if you just run down like the track list, almost every song is a blue face like YouTube world star hit. And really in the year where a lot of albums you could like pick a single off of it, pick a couple songs off of it, it was kind of refreshing to hear uh, a tape that you could just basically play straight through and not have to worry about skipping anything. Like yeah, the consistency of it, but also you know that you know the scene in the uh, in the prestige where like Christian Bale and uh, and Hugh Jackman go to see like the this this the uh, the magician from the Far East and they're just like if you can figure out how he does the fishbowl trick then I'll do you know, like I'll give you stage time or whatever and it's just kind yeah. of like Christian Bale's like this is the act right here like the keeping he walks like that to get into the carriage so that he can carry the fishbowl between his legs and nobody knows when he's on stage. And it's just kind of like Blueface is consistent like throughout. I think I've watched this recent interview on a radio show where somebody just asked him, you know, like an off an, an offhand question about what is, you know, like your day-to-day look like? What do you do on an ordinary, just reg- random Thursday? And he's just like refusing to break characters, just like, uh, smoke weed, have sex. <laughs> And I was that's just the like, about, that's the thing about him. He feels like almost like an enigma. Like he doesn't even actually exist. Like yeah. <laughs> always in character. Like nobody knows like what he even does. Like there's been videos of him like popping up from high school as like a high school quarterback lately, and people have just been like, 
like, who the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, in short, Blueface, we're sold. Um, some rap songs also made it onto the year Pitchfork uh, end of the year list, but you were more taken with a different druggy, hazy, pensive rap album this year. I think you and Earl Sweatshirt share an affinity for this artist. Catch me on a J, or maybe on a G clap, baby girl, breathe rap. I don't do shit all day, just stay in the crib with split for my game. I know my brother pain, so I stick to the brain with my list. Bronx's uh, Mike. Mm-hmm. Great album, Renaissance Man. Um, can you describe the sensation of listening to a Mike song? Because it puts me in like a very specific place. Well, w- whenever I do listen to a Mike song, I feel like I have like, I'm like conflicted in the emotions because the sound is usually like very like lo-fi, but it could also be kind of bouncy in the drums. And he could drift back and forth between like being like hopeless and hopeful. And I wouldn't call it like mumbling, but his voice is very like dreary and depressing. And I think a lot of people would find similarities in like some rap songs in that tone. I mean, like I know that stream of consciousness is overused, but it it that is what it is. It it, it feels yeah. like a it kind of feels like a Sunday morning content browse, like because they'll be <laughs> they'll just be clips of different things popping up in different places, a bunch of different sounds and textures, and nothing's like urgent, but. Also, it doesn't feel like there's enough time for anything. That the the album is only thirty three minutes long, but yeah, I mean, like I, I get what you're saying. He also does have that like very this very low and you know, kind of like his voice is sort of like Eeyore. <laughs> but it's um yeah. What what's the be- what would you say is the the best song on this project, or is it rather meant to be consumed as a whole and ran back multiple times? I think it's hard to like pick like a specific song because even when like Mike and that whole like scene like with like standing on the corner and Madonna and all those people, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of New York based artists, uh, they usually release these projects on SoundCloud as one file because it's almost like how it's meant to be listened to as one consistent thing. And so it's hard to select that because everything is pieced together in a way that you're supposed to listen to the whole thing at once. So. There you have it. Renaissance Man is another underrated rap release from this year, and you should make time for it at your earliest convenience. But let's move on to the third one. Let's talk about Key, who put out uh, 777 this year. 777 is a Key uh, album collaboration with... Kenny Beats, who's been everywhere this year, from Rico Nasty to Vince Staples to J.I.D. But Key is an Atlanta artist, and he's another one that's almost felt like an enigma for years because going back to like his days in Atlanta, like when Key was coming up, people were always talking about Key as this great songwriter, this great vocalist, and this great rapper in general, but he kind of like disappeared at some point. And so 777 kind of felt like the moment where Key, like, with Kenny Beats, like, finally established himself as somebody who was, like, here and not just this person who has just talked about this rumor. Yeah, I, I mean, like, he's been around for, I mean, nearly a decade. Like you said, I mean, starting out at Atlanta with uh, the 2-9 collective with uh, Curtis yep. Williams. I mean, like, he's survived a bunch of different generations at this point. 
What was the first key song you heard? Wow, the first key song I heard, it would probably have to go back to something 29. It had to be about 2012, 2013. Right. I remember I really started getting into key during the uh, the McConan father era. It was just look at wrist. Yeah. I, it, it literally like he's wearing like a wrist cast in the video and the way that the the verse is like constructed and the delivery of it it sounds as if he's just like he actually hurt his wrist before he went into the booth and he just like he's just like all right I, I didn't write anything down I don't really have anything for this so just turn it on and I'm just gonna talk about some shit he's just like it sounds like legitimately like agitated like fuck I hurt my wrist <laughs> I mean, before that, he had already put out two really wildly different, like sh- these two projects, these two mixtapes that kind of showed his versatility. There was um, Fathers of the Curse and Mothers of the Blame. Um, yes. But I think my first key song was Guess Who. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> can, we play, can we play it? Can we play a little bit of that right now? <laughs> It's a great song that you can't that you literally could not play anywhere because the first minute is just guess who's fucking your bitch like and it's just like nonstop exactly and I mean the music video is just them in somebody's backyard and he has like an assault rifle for some reason I like it's it's. I was obviously I needed to know more, but in any case, you w- around the same time as like the look at wrist era was uh, you guessed it, um, the yep. OG Maco record, and like one of the best lines on it was just just like that kind of showcases all the things that Key's good at, which is like just kind of extending oddball references as far as they'll go, and like putting in just really odd head twisting lines like I bought my bitch a Birkin bag so she can hold my fucking strap and <laughs> and the Birkin bag popped up again on Toronto on this on this uh, 777 project would you say that Kenny Beats and Key bring the best out of each other I think it really was because I think throughout like Kenny Beats' year he like he's built relationships with so many people and and the output was like extremely consistent, but I think this was his best project. And I think he really got to show off his versatility on this project too, because he can like drop like a hard hitting song like Toronto, or he could drop some like melodic, like love shit, like love on ice or like true love interlude. And then he could go back and say like, fuck all my haters, like on hater and shit like that. And I think that Kenny beats able to adjust to that showed off both of their skills well Kenny V started out as an electronic music DJ he was part of this group called Loud Pack and then he was just like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna become one of the best rap producers you know in the game cause I mean like there's another another project that you uh, that he produced this year that we forgot to mention was the all black two minute drills EP which came out great pretty project. recently great project great project but which of the songs on 777 
sound best in the car? And which one have you listened to most this year? Well, the, the one that sounds best in the car, I'd probably go Kelly Price Freestyle just because that beat is just crazy by Kenny by Kenny, and uh, I think he is flowing the best that, that he is on the whole project there. Also great and the ad one that lib. Because he did And the one that I listened to the most, I think on my Spotify, like, top five of that bullshit they give you it was like number like two or something like that was boss i think it was just because of the line where he is just talking he's just like Kyrie Irving handling Damian Lillard handling Stephen Curry handling you got them past the handman I don't know why but it was just stuck on my head stuck in my head non-stop and I just kept running it back and running it back and running it back and that's what Key will do to you like he'll just have lines that you just won't be able to get out of your head. And this album is like filled with them. Not even ones that necessarily mean anything. Cause what does that line mean either? I mean, like it's just kind of, it just sounds like the coolest shit ever. It, it, is, it is so much bullshit that it feels like I have no idea what he's talking about on like most of the album, but it sounds great. And he's fucking, he's like a hundred percent invested in it. Let me ask you one final question about, about, you know, like year endless season S Z N as it were. Um, you know, like how you gotta f- you find new stuff. Honestly, when you're when you're going through each outlet's 100 best, 50 best, 10 best, whatever. What was one of your favorite finds from a year in list that you hadn't encountered over the year? One of my favorite finds. Hmm. That's a tough question. Maybe the free- maybe the Frito Bang tracks. Frito Bang track on the uh, Passion of Ice list. Like that's a rapper from Baton Rouge that. I had listened to some of, but not all of it, and I was I kind of just listened to him in passing. But after I read read Run the Blurbs on the Passion of Weiss list, and I think it was Frito Bang status, and and Baton Rouge kind of has like a nice little scene going on right now. Yeah, they really and do. I think that, and it's you know I'm embarrassed to say that that like it's honestly Jeff Weiss has has taught me more about. Like the reps has taught me a lot about the rap scene in my own hometown. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the Frito Bang records I, I had listened to honestly after finding them on a Passion Wise list beforehand. Like uh, it was, I, I can't remember, it was on one of the weekly wrap ups or something. Um, oh, yeah, when the rap roundups. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, Rat Bad Rouge does have a really good uh, local rap scene going on. I got the yeah. bubbling rap scene. That was going a tough on, ass right? question. Yeah, I know, right? I think about it all the time. But it's always a tough question to answer because it's just kind of like all of these, there's so many and they're just whizzing by your head and you just kind of like write down stuff that seems interesting that you should check out. But in any case, Alphonse, rap expert, thank you very much for coming through to talk about underrated rap releases and to make sense of the Drake-Kanye situation. Of course, anytime. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you, man. And uh, enjoy the holidays and a happy new year. You too. Same to you. That 
that's it. That's all we got for y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Alphonse Pierre for joining me this week. Shout out my producer, Bobby Wagner. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we will be updating every week with the songs we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show. We'd really appreciate it. Peace. See you next week, but not on Wednesday. We're going to be dropping the next on Shuffle on Friday because it's Christmas and you really should go spend some time with your families. Happy holidays. Let's talk about the Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV. Beam lets you fill the room with rich sounds from everything you love, from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more. So the holidays are coming up, which means I'm going to be spending a lot of time on my couch in my sweatpants watching stuff on TV. I plan to watch Minding the Gap, this documentary by Bing Liu that's on Hulu. Again, because I've already watched it several times because I've already written about it for the ringer.com great website, but... I just keep getting drawn back to it. The the scenes of the overhead shots of all of the skating, them bombing down different roads in Rockford, Illinois. It sounds like you're there. You can hear the wheels on the asphalt. It's 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 really clear and crisp and involving and emotional. And you should absolutely watch it. And you should get your own Sonos Beam. Go to Sonos.com. S-O-N-O-S dot com to learn more and order your Sonos Beam to start your smart home sound system.